0: I don't have any family at home anymore. (laughs) They, Ginger and Izzy and Jody and Ava went to, for for Izzy's birthday, they went to New Orleans to Miss Universe. And I hate I had to stay here and hold down the (laughs) floor. I wanted to go so bad and sit through four hours of that stuff. I just... Man, maybe, maybe in the next 20 years, maybe I can make one. Uh, I, had a, I was driving, I went deer hunting late yesterday, and, and uh, I was driving back, and, and you know, I, I made a commitment to myself that I would listen to nothing but praise and worship music for one year. It started August 1st. And so I'm listening, and, and I'm telling you, it's excruciating. How many of y'all have ever listened to Air One? They have four songs. Caleb. They got seven. So it's a just constant, constant. And I can't figure out how to work Spotify so I can listen to Stephen and Jesus Culture and all the people that I want to listen to. But it... Anyway, while I was driving back yesterday, I got this 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 nugget. I'd say it wouldn't be a revelation. It's a nugget, but felt like I needed. To, uh, if God tells me something, it's normally for you. If it's not for me, it's for you. But then again, it's always for both of us. So, anyway, I, my mind just changed. It opened up to something different than I've ever heard, and it was. The creator of everything that I saw yesterday when I was deer hunting. And I saw a lot of deer yesterday. Not the right one, but I did find the one that Paul Trockel's hunting, so I'm taking him this afternoon to shoot at it. So, uh, But um, the creator of everything that I saw, all of the wildlife, all the beauty, everything in this world, the oceans, the mountains, everything. I know who made that. That's amazing to me. If we can realize that the Creator of everything, the Creator of the universe, the Creator of everything, calls you His child, that brings about if we can if we can wrap our head around that, that brings up everything that we think about inheritance. Just because. He's got it. He gives me an open invitation to do anything that I want to do with what he's created. As long as it's for his glory. Isn't that amazing? He chose you. And you, get to choose, and you got to choose him. But he chose you first. Before you were ever in this earth. He chose you. And when you choose him, you, you become Family. I've got a brother. I've got an older brother and an older sister. I'm the smartest and the best looking one of them. No. I've got some amazing siblings. They are super successful lives that they've lived. And, uh, but I'm closer to you than I am to them. Why? I'm with you more. I'm with you more. They've got children, they've got grandchildren that I've never met. They've never met my grandchildren. But I love them, and there's no animosity whatsoever. It's about location and prioritizing. And my brother and I were talking the other day, so I'm going to go, we're going to go on a, a golf trip together um, this summer. Huh? Huh? Yeah, well, he lives at the number one golf destination in the United States, so I'll just go stay at his house. you know. But um, if we don't plan to do these things, we don't do these things. And I'm 60 years old. My brother is 68 years old. They, my brother and sister already graduated from college before I ever got to high school. Uh, I was kind of a late late baby, you know. But I love my brother. I love my sister. But you know what? I don't know them as good as I know you. Or you. You. Why? Because I don't spend time with them. Doesn't mean I don't love them. Don't mean I wouldn't move a mountain for them. But this is a this is point that I want to make. Family is not about biology. It's about loyalty. I choose you. I'm loyal to you guys. Y'all are loyal to me. Y'all are loyal to each other. We are a family. We are not a church. We are a community of Christians. When we leave this brick and mortar, we're still Friends. We're still there when somebody needs us. We're there for each other. And we've also got different groups in the church, you know, that, that they, they, they kind of connected and they're, they're family with. I mean, Jessica and Chris went on vacation, or went to Christmas, uh, what, last year was it? The year before? To Wisconsin with Jeremy and Kristen. And they had a blast. You know why? They're family. They're family. There's nothing that Chris wouldn't do for Jeremy or vice versa or Christian and Jessica and Katie and Travis. and, and you know, I mean, look at the bond of the generation house lady. They work together, they live together, and they still like each other. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a marriage nearly, you know? But that's what family is. Jesus calls us his family. His children. His women. His men of God. You know, y'all know my thing about children of God. Grow up, God's looking for men and women of God. He's not really looking for children. He'll train children up, but he expects us. Treat each other the way we should treat each other. I've got three grandchildren. Three grandchildren. About to have four in March. I didn't have any a little over a year ago. But you know what? I'm special. In March, I'm going to have four grandchildren. Do you know how many grandchildren God has? Because he doesn't look at biology as family. He looks at loyalty. Just because your mama and daddy were good Christians, they prayed for you, doesn't mean you're getting to heaven. Doesn't mean you're in the same family. Are y'all following me? There's a lot more than the books, than the pages and the words on a page. There's more to it. It's about... Connecting. Finding people in your life that are Christians, that are like-minded, that you can develop a bond with, that you can, you can bring in, and, and their family. The Lee family is my family. Multiple Lees, actually. On this side and on that side. I remember my, my best and oldest friend... His last name is Lot, Kevin Lot. We're family. There's nothing we would not do for each other. Absolutely nothing. Have we had arguments, disagreements in the past? He's the only man I know that's more hard headed than I am. But we're not going to let anything come between the relationship that we have with each other because it's valuable it's valuable and that's the way that I feel about God I don't want to do anything to him it's going to degrade or devalue the relationship that I have with him because his love's unconditional so mine has to be as well right if his love's unconditional what you're supposed to be man I'm not even on my notes but I'm having fun if you read in, in Matthew and in Luke, you'll find the genealogy of Mary and you'll find the genealogy of Joseph. It's important, isn't it? It's important that God put Joseph's genealogy where he, all the way back to Adam. And he did Mary's all the way back to Adam. But you know what? God doesn't have a genealogy, He doesn't have a mother, He doesn't have a father. All he has is his kids that he chose, and they said yes. That's what he has. A community, a family, whatever you want to call it, of people that are like-minded out for his purpose, not our purpose. That's what a church is. His purpose, not ours. We are tools. We, he is the Father. We are the men and women of God that do what He tells us to do. And we carry out His will on this earth. He doesn't carry out our will on this earth. That's the way that things work. That's the way that God is. And we just get, we get to the point sometimes where we get mad because we don't feel like God's not answering the prayer. He's answering the prayer. It's just not the way you want it answered sometimes. Because it's not about our purpose, it's about His purpose in our lives. God has a plan. Every youth pastor and every youth in America know, what is it, Jeremiah 29 11, didn't it? Have you just said youth pastor. Yeah. Have a plan for your now to prosper you, not harm you, to give you an expected end. Okay, that's a plan. How do we get there? It's just, they have a hard time going from the plan of God, the purpose of God, to, well, you know what? I'll just live by the Ten Commandments. That's not it. It's proactive Christianity. It's reaching out. It's trying to reach more people. It's trying to, you know, we're, we're, we're in that grow time, and, in, and everything that I'm preaching and its purpose, it's about that. It's about that. It's about growing spiritually, numerically, financially, but most of all spiritually. We always want to. We want to get to the next level and not stop there. We go to the next one, the next one, the next one, and the next one. Because that why. That's what God wants for our life, right? He wants us in His perfect will. How many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve. A dozen, right? He had twelve. But he also had seventy more, if you read Luke 9 and 10. But he had the the main twelve, were the twelve chosen, and he chose seventy more. And out of those 82 people, he had an inner circle of three men, Peter, James, and John. There's more recorded about him just talking to them than there is anybody else. Those were his inner circle. His tight group of friends. Jesus had, I've got, like Stephen, I don't consider Stephen Dickerson a friend. Because he. I consider him more of a son than I do a, I mean, my gosh, he's been at my house. How, how old are you? A long time. That kid broke more stuff than my other three kids combined. That is true. And if you ask him who broke it? Joel did. Joel did. Every time. See, I know his responses. We're close enough that I can can ask a question I know he's going to answer. That's family. It's not biology. It's family. Who does the best? I'm just—I I'm, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Who does the best Donald Trump impression of anybody on the earth? Justin Lee. Everybody is people pointing at Justin, pointing at him, pointing at him because it's hilarious. But if Justin is close to you, he's—he's he's not. He's kind of shy until he gets to know you. Then he will keep you laughing. He's hilarious. And people say, this is a real quiet guy. Oh, no, you don't know him like I do. Nobody knows you like God does. Am I making the the back and forth, the back and forth? <clears throat> if Jesus had an inner circle of friends, which he did... We have to have that closeness and all-out devotion from our inner circle of people that we deal with. Everybody has one. And it may be someone you're related to with by blood. But I'm just talking about friends. Friends, friends, friends. Close friends. You know what I I got? I'm talking about covenant relationship Friends, if their husband if they die, I take care of their wives financially. About three, one of them died, and I just I called Ginger Carmen yesterday. I check on her, whatever she needs, I'll do. Why? Because I was in a covenant relationship with her husband. Now I got two, and I'm looking for more. I just I just you know I mean it's not a lot of people like me for some reason. I don't I don't know, but. Those men in my life, the inner circle, there is total trust and total loyalty. If I do something that they don't understand, they're not going to question me. If they do something that I don't understand, I'm not going to question them because I know their heart. I'm close enough to them, I know their heart. Even though that they're doing something, I, like, like Jerry Lackey uh, explained this to me, he, my, my pastor now. Jerry explained something to me last time I was in Africa, and um, he just—he's such a such different guy than Rob. Rob was just about y'all knew him, just a wild man. Jerry is Mister Structure, not confrontational at all. He is a planner. He doesn't want to offend anyone. All of those things are my weakest points. (laughs) And God put me with somebody whose strongest points are now my my weakest points. I'm starting to work on it. Angel even said something the other day. I mean, we're in a meeting and she said, I can't believe we're having this meeting. I just heard Paul Gray say the word structure. But that's what I needed in my life. So God placed them in Ginger and our lives. Why? To make us better at what we do. And then Jerry is looking at things in me that make him better. But I promise you, he's the better person in this whole, whole deal. I promise you. They're rock solid. Rock solid people. Uh, go to John 10.10. 10. And I, pre- I use this scripture so many times, it says, the thief comes to, not to, to steal, kill and destroy. And they that come to <laughs> the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. That's all you need to know. The devil wants to kill you. He wants to steal everything you have and utterly destroy your relationships, your family, your community, your church. He wants to destroy everything good in your life. Am I wrong? Is that what the word says? He comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, we all know this, correct? But how, did he, how does he do it? That's what people can't explain to me. Because I ask a lot, okay, how's he, well, he, wants to, he wants to destroy your witness. Well, that's my choice. He can't do that to me. It's my choice to keep my witness. The devil's not going to take my witness. Tell me, so, tell me how so I can combat this. Tell me how will you get in the flesh. How? How do I get in the flesh? Tell me how. What, what are you talking about? I've had these questions you, you know, in my early Christian life, and fortunately I had pe- good people that taught me. You know what the devil tries to get you to do? Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm going to do it anyway. He tries to get you to act off of your emotion. Emotion is flesh. That's all it is. Emotion is flesh. That's what the Bible says, getting in the flesh. You know, it's carnal. That's what it's talking about. Making a decision based upon emotion is always wrong. I know. Somebody makes me, years ago, somebody would make me mad, what would I do? I would get emotional, I'd hit them in the face. It was not always a good decision. Because a lot of times they hit me back a lot harder and a lot faster than I hit them. Wrong decision, but it was based off of emotion. Anything based off of emotion. If somebody tells you something that makes you emotional and you got a decision coming up, you better get that thing out of your life before you make your decisions. Because you're going to make it in the flesh and it's going to be wrong. Anybody agree with that? Y'all are just full of amens this morning. Amen? Amen. See, If I say amen, y'all say it. Y'all can't help. Amen? Amen. See? (laughs) How... If you're going to tell us, thief comes to steal, how's he going to do it? He's going to try to get you emotional so you can make decisions. So how do you combat your emotions? i got a guy in this church. He's my my voice, Chris, my prophet, your prophet. He hears from God on your behalf. But he's also an expert in something else. Fasting. The best way to keep the devil from stealing, killing, and destroying, get to, to get into your emotions is fasting. Why? Fasting is the strongest discipline there is to combat the devil. There's no other way. There's no other way to put it. People that, that aren't even filled with the Holy Ghost can fast and get revelation knowledge. Fasting gives you the ability to push down your Flesh. I don't even you know this is a this is a crazy question. Let me ask. Chris, when's the last time you're on a fast? Yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> Yesterday. I had no idea. But I know he lives the lifestyle of it. And now fasting isn't that thing you're seeing on Facebook, intermittent fasting. Over die, and that's not what I'm talking. About. I'm talking about a spiritual awakening, because that's what it is. If you want to see the power of God, fast. If you want to get the revelation of God, fast. If you want to be able to put down your emotions, fast. Jack came in. The disciples were trying to cast the devil out of somebody, and they couldn't. So he asked Jesus, "Hey." What are we doing wrong? He said, this kind doesn't come out but by prayer and fasting. Fasting complements prayer. It makes your prayers like they're on steroids when you fast. HGH to your spiritual life right there. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, it, 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 it brings more power. It brings more revelation. It brings you closer to God. Brings, there's nothing bad about it except the problem is... We got to quit eating. Got to push down that flesh and we have to live a lifestyle of it to be able to overcome our emotions so that we make decisions that's pleasing to God, not us. So we have to push down that flesh. Are we there? Are we, are we there? Okay. God doesn't have grandkids. Best way to push down emotion? Fasting. Right? All right. We got that. I'm going to the next one. Running out of time here. It's never too late to change. Never too late to change. Change what? Change anything. Change your lifestyle. Change whatever. It... um, if you change your friends and you change your inner circle, you're going to change your future. If you're hanging out with a bunch of, if you're hanging out, I can tell where you're going to be in five years just by seeing who you're hanging out with. If you're hanging out with the wrong people, you're going to do the wrong things. If you're hanging out with the right people, most of the time you're going to do the right thing. There's this, a thing called Witnessing. It's when you try to lead people to Jesus. That's not your inner circle of people. Your inner circle of people should be doing it with you. You can't call someone your inner circle if they're not even in your family. Why? Because there's no loyalty. None. None. All right, here we go. Never too late to change. I've been waiting for this all week long. I hope I get it right. There's a guy who lived <laughs> in Stockholm. And he, name was Alfred. Not just Fred, Alfred. That's a cool name. I like that name. What's your name, Alfred? Alfred. You don't hear that name very much. But his name was Alfred. And Alfred was a very, very wealthy man, okay? Money, generational money. Why? He lived in the 1800s. And uh, the man invented dynamite. He built the world's first torpedo. I mean, he amassed a fortune by working in that field. He had a passion for it. He loved it. He loved where he got got his degree. I mean in 1800. He went and got his degree. Invented dynamite. The nitroglycerin. He figured out if you could put that in with TNT, it was more stable to work with. This guy was a genius. And one morning, he gets up and he makes himself some coffee and he goes to the door because that's back when the day of newspapers, you know. And a uh, Throw his new, guy throws his newspaper up on the porch. He goes out there and he gets the paper and he sits down and he's drinking his coffee. And he gets to the obituaries. And he's in it. There's his name. And so he just starts reading this obituary because he knows he's not dead. It's just somebody else, you know. And but they're telling all about his life. It's what had happened when somebody with the same name had died. They assumed it was him, and they took his information and put it in the obituary. And he read it, and he started crying. He said, this is not what I want people to believe about me, about my life. This is not who I am. Everything they wrote about me is about destruction. And war. He said, everything that I did was to keep from having war. Even playing field all the way around. I don't want to be remembered like this. So he goes down to the newspaper, you know, there wasn't telephones. He went to the newspaper, he said, hey, I'm, I'm Alfred. I'm not dead. You got the wrong guy. Would you would you please do a retraction tomorrow on your paper and tell everybody that I'm not dead? I said, yeah. So with all of the money that he had made, I mean, it was a lot, he decided he was going to change his life. He was in his 50s. He decided he was going to change his life for the better. And so he, he got a, a council together And they were going to look at different areas, like in literature, um, peace, things like that. And so Alfred Nobel, you ever heard of the Nobel Prize? That's Alfred's. He changed his entire life from destruction to the Nobel Peace Prize, all of these things. It's still going on today. It's never too late to change. If a guy who's known for destruction is now known for peace for the rest of his life can change, how easy it is for us? All it takes is dedication. That's all it takes. I'm going to do this regardless. People wonder how I do things. That's why I say I, I'm going to do this. I don't care if you like it or not. I don't care how hard it gets. I don't care how this is what I'm going to do. And when I get to that point, I'm not going to stop till I do that. We have to have that type of mentality. If you don't like the way that you are, it's easy to change. And God's there to help you because He's not going to help you for the worse. He's always going to help you for the better. Always. Always. Never too late to change. All right, here we go. Last point. Terry? Say amen. There you go. Go to Romans 12, verse 1 through 3. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, brothers, family. So he's talking to Christians, right? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Three wills, correct? For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think of himself soberly as God has dealt to, here we go, each one a measure of faith. There's a good, there's an acceptable, and there's a perfect will of God in the family, amen? Yeah. Right? But it says in the second verse, but it also, you can take that down, it also says, that we all begin with the same measure of faith. Well, if that's the case, why did the Apostle Paul rise up higher than any of the disciples and he never met Jesus in person? He began with the same measure of faith that I did. He just did a little bit more with it, didn't he? Because he knew there was a good... There was an acceptable, there was a perfect will of God. And he wanted to be in the perfect will of God, so he used his faith as much as he possibly could. He did everything, he he was determined. He gave his life. Um, We we seem to think of Christianity as a side note. We're going to get our education, we're going to get a good job, we're going to get married, we're going to have kids, and we're going to go to church. That's not a Christian life. If Christianity is not the first and foremost thing in your life, you're not a Christian. Amen. If you love your wife or your husband more than you love God, that's a sin. They have become your God. Why? Because you love them more. What you love the most, you're going to give the most attention to. Am I wrong? I I know this is not very uplifting right now, but I'm just. (laughs) Stay with me. What you love the most, you give the most attention to. Not not once a week on a Sunday morning and getting dressed up and let's go down and we're going to go to church. Be quiet. No. God should be the most important thing in your life, above your family. If he's not above your family, your children, look at John and Debbie Lewis. Their children, I'm sorry, this is okay. Their children, I I mean, Cody and Chris, my gosh, you just don't get any better than that. Why? Because that couple loved God more than they loved their children, so their children rose up to love God more than they loved Him. But they raised them right. I mean, they're batting a thousand, man, as far as kids go, right? I want to bat a thousand with my kids. I want them to succeed, not monetarily, but they will because they're going to give and they're going to they're tithe. They're going to give offerings that's what they, because been, that's what they've been taught to do. They're going to prosper. There's no doubt about that. That's not an issue for me. That's not a problem for me because I want them to put God first in everything that they do. Golly, I'm running out of time. This verse point one through three tells me one thing that God will let you live on whatever level you settle with. You can get saved, live a live a good life, go to heaven. You're gonna be in the cheap seats, but hey, you mate, right? Or you can give it everything that you have. Because God tells us in these three verses, there's three wills. Good, acceptable, and perfect. You're never going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, servant, with good and acceptable. You made it. Back there. Back rope. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear, and it tells me that if we all begin with the same measure of faith, that if I pursue that faith, I mean, y'all know the stories. The first year I was saved, I believed God for a free coke every day. The second year, a free lunch. I mean, I mean, I do these year-long projects through my life, all through my life, like. I'm on one now. Listen to praise and worship music. Oh, my gosh. I've got to learn. Stephen's got to teach me how to get Spotify. I'll hook up my Jeep. Okay. I do these projects. Why? Because I want to exercise the faith. If we all begin with the same measure, if I'm not exercising the faith that I already have, I'm not going to get any more. Faith comes by hearing him by the word of God. Romans 10.17. I'm in my words. Why? I want my faith. I want my faith. Pray in the Holy Ghost. I want my faith stronger. I want more faith. I want more faith. I want more faith. If you want more faith, you've got to believe God for more than you have. That's called faith. That's where we're supposed to be headed. That's where we're supposed to be going. We don't, want to, we don't want to be a community. We don't want to be a family of acceptable. We don't want to be a family of, ah, pretty good. We want to be a family, a community of believers together that's striving for the perfect will of God for our lives. And the only way to do it is to exercise the faith that you have, and you keep a tight, tight, tight inner circle, a, a trusted community of friends. Covenant relationships, that you'll do anything to keep that relationship. You won't let money come between that relationship. You won't let uh, arguments, you won't let anything come through there. Because the relationship is the most important thing. Why? Because God is relational. And if you can't have that relational relationship in a group of people, that means you're not in a good relationship with God. Your relationship with God is going to reflect in your relationship with people. It always does. It always does. And we want better people. We want better people around us. I want somebody pushing me or pulling me, trying to get me to go further and to do more. I don't want people to say, oh, you're doing such a good job. I don't want those people in my life. I just don't. It's nice to be say, hey, that, yeah, hmm, that's good. Okay. I want that thing from God. Well done. Well done. That's what I'm striving for. And as a body of believers, that's what we should all be striving for, not the good, not the acceptable, but the perfect will of God for our lives. And we're going to do everything we can to just stand up. Let's just make a commitment right now to God and to each other that we're going to we're going to make each other better. It's time to grow spiritually. It's time. It's time to go to the next level. The way to do that is have friends that are going to push you to the next level, and you're going to push them to their next level. You're going to have that inner circle of friends. Let's all raise our hands. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, Father right now, Father, I commit to doing more. We'll aim higher. We want to dream dream bigger. We want to do more, Father. Not for our sake, but for the sake of Christ, Father. That you sent your best for us, Father. And we're going to do our best for you, Father. And we're going to make that declaration right now. In Jesus' name, amen.